Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org, and our EU website, where many of my weekly thoughts and such are translated into European languages, CWOWI.eu. And anyway, we are a house church network, but visit our website, sign up uh, at the CWOWI.org for my weekly thoughts and my monthly newsletters. It's there in, in the headers of those and everything that we announce, our meetings, conferences, Zoom online meetings, uh, schedule, uh, things of that nature. And the teaching's really uh, balanced and on a variety of subjects on those Friday weekly thoughts. You can find archived versions on our website. Uh, there's 10 question and answer videos about house church there, all kinds of things. So CWOWI.org. All right. Talking about, I've been talking the last couple of weeks about the ways that the Lord communicates to us. Uh, I talked about last week about the difference between the Holy Spirit, who is internal and always clear, concise, short, and to the point, is our biblical example in the book of Acts. And then also I talked about angels who are, when they speak, they're on the outside. Obviously, they're individuals and they feel like a person anointed by the Lord. But you can, as you as you grow in this and, and become uh, more uh, accustomed to it, You'll be able to tell, you know, kind of the direction where behind you, which side, uh, when an angel speaks to you. But I want to point out today about the nonverbal ways. You see, in John chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you can't grasp them right now. You can't bear them right now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he will speak. And he will show you things to come. Of those three, guide, speak, and show, only one is verbal. And the frustration is in so much church culture, uh, and if people haven't been taught right from the pulpit or, or elsewhere, they're all looking for the Lord to speak. They want to hear a, a loudspeaker in the brain or something like that. They want to hear the Holy Spirit himself. Um, like I've talked about in the last couple of weeks about how the Holy Spirit told Peter to go downstairs because there were th uh, men waiting for him and, and how he told Philip to join himself to the chariot and uh, meet the Ethiopian man who was returning, things of that nature. That's more rare. That's more rare. But I would do want to share a, a, a unique truth that, that will help you in this. Uh, but right now, focusing on John 16, 13, where it talks about how only guide, speak, and show, and only one of those is verbal. So let's let's set aside the speak. We know that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself, but only what he hears. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11, that the Holy Spirit is searching the heart of the Father God to see what he has prepared for us. And he will reveal that to us. But let's talk about guide and show. And I'll give you an example. In Acts 27, 10, Paul is a is a uh, prisoner of Rome, and so he's on board a ship, and they're headed for Rome. And he says in verse 10, Acts 27.10, Sirs, I perceive, not, not saying anything else, just perceive in the King James Version, and that's accurate, I perceive this voyage will be with much damage to the ship, the cargo, and our lives. And we shouldn't set sail. But they ignored him. He's a prisoner. What does it matter, right? What does his opinion count? And so they set sail. And sure enough, there was a storm. And it, and over a period of 14 days, we're told in the text, the men fasted. And which, which I mean, if you're on a, a, a sailing boat, you know, that can hold, in this case, we learned it had 276 people, relatively small ship. 
and it's driven by the wind. There's no power. There's no engine to, to power it out of a storm. I mean, it's just driven along for 14 days. So not, people aren't going to want to eat a whole lot anyway, but they're fasting for 14 days. And Paul says in Acts 27, and then when you can read it through, oh, verses 22, starting in there down through 31, Paul says, don't be afraid because an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood by me this night. And he said, fear not, Paul, you've got to be brought before Caesar. And lo, the Father God has given you everyone on board this ship. And we know if you read the narrative on there that there was more information communicated. Paul knew that they were going to be shipwrecked on an island. He knew they had to stay with the ship while it broke up in order to be saved instead of throwing themselves into the sea beforehand. There was different information, but the point is this. An angel stood by him and spoke to him and said, you know, you fear not, Paul, you've got to be brought before Caesar. Here's what I want you to see. Paul perceived correctly in Acts 27.10 that the ship was, that their lives were in danger, the ship, the cargo, and their lives were in danger. Now, I, I will freely admit when I was young and there were several instances where somebody was planning to go and do something and I felt a real heaviness about it. And when I felt that heaviness, I rebuked it saying, get away, devil, you know, it's not going to happen. You, you know, stop putting fear and, and doubt and everything else in this. And then I watched as something bad happened. And I wondered about, okay, why did I feel bad about it? And I rebuked the devil and then this still happened. And then when I read Acts 27.10 and the Lord uh, teaching me some things as well, I realized what Paul perceived in Acts 27.10, sirs, this voyage will be with much damage to the ship, the cargo, and our lives. What he was perceiving in his spirit was the Lord trying to show him for the purpose of intercession that they were in danger. And to my horror, as a young Christian, I realized I had rebuked the Holy Spirit, thinking it was the devil trying to, because at that time, you know, my time frame was like, or my mind frame was kind of like, a, you know, anything negative has to be of the devil. Not realizing that the Father will communicate something in my spirit that is not verbal. It was vague. It was something I perceived. And when the Lord appeared to me in October of 1986, and taught me the ways that the Father communicates, uh, some of which I'm, I'm communicating here. Uh, he said this, and, and I use the King James Version because most of the, the reference books and the older reference books and word studies are from the King James or the Revised. So those are the two main ones, especially the King James. And so in that context, the Lord said, told me, he, he said, uh, the Bible uses the wor words perceive, discern, and witness to describe the process by which the mind picks up on communication of what's in your spirit. Uh, excuse me, uh, your mind picks up on what's in your spirit. And so perceive, discern, and witness are those words used uh, in, the, in the Gospels and through the book of Acts for something that is perceived. It's not verbal. It's guiding or showing. It comes under that heading that, that the Lord can guide or show. He will communicate to us. So you've probably had times. Now, now let me go before we leave Paul here, uh, shipwrecked. Um, because he perceived what would, that negative was going to happen, that they're going to lose the ship, the cargo, and their lives were in danger. 
that's when he prayed and that's when they were fasting and everything. While everybody else was seasick and everything else, I'm sure Paul, whether he was seasick or not, he was praying. And finally, an angel stood by him and told him he would be brought before Caesar and that all 276 could be saved if they followed the instructions of the angel, staying with the ship until it ran aground and started to break up and, and different things of that nature. So there's always conditions to grace. Grace is... is, is uh, is is a revelation of the father's plan and everything, but there's always a condition to it. You know, Noah, I'm going to flood. I want you to flood the earth. I want you to build a boat. Well, Noah had to build the boat. That was the condition. Um, you want eternal life? God so gave his his uh, son. But if you want that eternal life, here's the condition of the grace. You have to believe on Jesus. So there's always a condition to the grace. And anyway, so in that case, Paul was praying and, and the conditions given were that they were going to be saved if they stayed with the boat. So Paul perceived something and it, it was not the devil. It was the father God trying to communicate to him something bad was going to happen. He needed to intercede to change it. This happens quite often. And if you will become a faithful intercessor in this, you'll realize the difference between the devil and, and the father God. What are some of the differences? The devil brings in fear. Fear is a spirit. Fear, confusion, James chapter 3, from, from about verse oh, 11 through 15 or so, if you want, in uh, there talks about the wisdom from this earth, with the, which is uh, sensual, it's sense-oriented, and there's fear and confusion and en envy and every uh, evil work. But the wisdom from above, James tells us, is pure and peaceful and gentle, easily approached. So when it's God showing you something is going to happen, you may have that negative feeling in your spirit, but there's no fear attached to it at all. There's no confusion. There's no darkness associated. It's just, it's something in your spirit that you don't have a good feeling about this, but there's not the fear attached. And so when the devil does something, there's always going to be fear and imaginations and worry and everything else. And so you'll, you can perceive the difference in that. But there are also other words, for instance, in uh, Luke eight forty six, and this is something that Jesus shared in that visitation with himself. Jesus is on the way to Jairus's house uh, because, um, you know, Jairus had been told his daughter had died and Jesus is on the way. And a woman who had a hemorrhaging issue came up in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? He said in Luke eight forty six, I perceive that power has gone out of me. Now, neither Paul in Acts, in Acts 27, 10 or Jesus in Luke eight forty six said, God talked to me. They didn't say the Lord spoke to me or anything of that nature, it's very accurately they perceive. Paul said, I perceive. And again, I, I've shared before in the last couple of weeks how, how shame on the Christian who will perceive something that they think is the Lord, but then they say, thus saith the Lord, or this is what God told me. Shame on them. You won't go very far with the Lord in that he'll stop talking to you for a season until you regain your integrity. Uh, if you ever had the integrity to do that. And a lot of times it's with good heart and we don't understand. So I'm not putting guilt and condemnation on everybody. I'm just instructing you that if you want to be going further on with the Lord, then you have to be accurate with his words. He's accurate with his words. I mean, he misspeaks and a, you know, a planet disappears, you know, that sort of thing. So the Lord is very precise with his words. And so if you perceive something, then say, this is what I think I'm sensing in my spirit. This is what I perceive. Another example is in Mark 2, 8, where Jesus is, is teaching in a house and some friends let a, a paralyzed man down through the roof in front of him. And Jesus says, uh, says your sins are forgiven. And many, and the scribes sat there and, and Jesus said he, and, and they, the scribes were thinking, who does this man think he is? No one can forgive sins, but God. 
And Jesus, it says in Mark 2, 8, perceived their thoughts. He perceived what they were thinking. And in the visitation, when the Lord shared this with me, he, he told me, he said, I didn't read their minds. He said, he said, I looked at their body language and their faces. He said, and that, and then I turned inside and I perceived in my spirit what they were thinking. You know, and that's, that's a big thing to understand that you can, you know, you can look at somebody and think, man, they're in strife or there's a little black cloud of depression over them. These are things you perceive. You can, you can do this with a, a clerk at a store and you can say, you can look at maybe their body art and things of that nature, their countenance, and you just get something in your spirit. It's like, okay, these people are into something. Um, you know, you just, uh, it, and, and you'll be able to perceive or discern something, but that's not God telling you something. That's something you perceive, you discern. Now, here's the, here's the kicker, and this is, will really help you. Um, Jesus is the Logos of God, L-O-G-O-S, the, the general counsel of God's word. It, he, he is the embodiment of Genesis through Revelation. You know, John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And uh, and also we see in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word, the Logos, the general counsel of God, the person of Jesus Christ, is like a sharp two-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit, dis- discerning, critiquing our thoughts and our intentions. And in verse, and we know that, you know, a little rabbit trail here, but a lot of people take Hebrews 4.12 and say the Word of God is sharper and living and sharper than any two-edged sword. And they take it to mean, you know, that is the scripture, the chapter and verse, the ink on the page. That's not what it's saying at all. It's talking about the person of the word. And we know this because verse 13 goes on to say, and all things are open and naked with him uh, before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have Jesus Christ, the, the son who has passed into the heavens, our advocate, let us come boldly to the throne uh, to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 is talking about the person of Jesus and us going to the Father's throne. Anyway, here's what here's my point. Jesus is the Logos. And so uh, the Rhema, out of the Logos comes the Rhema. Out of the, out of the Logos comes a specific word for us, which means that the Father God will often start with a vague witness or vague something, something you perceive, discern, or have a witness in your spirit. It's vague. It's the Logos. Out of that, if you will spend time on that, if you will spend time thinking and, and, and praying in the spirit about it, out of that vagueness will often come a rhema, the specific, the, the word, that thing you perceive, that thing you discern will become clear to you. And then at that point, oftentimes you'll hear the Holy Spirit tell you exactly what it was. And I found this over and over and over again, and, and it's just by way of experience. Hebrews 5.14 says that strong meat is for those who, by reason of use, have trained their senses to discern between good and evil. See, there's that word discern, perceive, discern, witness. So in short, it's this. If you will stay on a word and and spend time on it, then you'll find more life, more revelation will come. And uh, that's how it works. The logos becomes the specific or out of the logos comes the specific. All right. Pretty much at the time where I want to stop right here, but I hope this has been a blessing to you. You can study this out. It'd be a blessing. All right. Bye-bye. 